Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. Today's episode with Bonnie Dimmick talks about one of the most popular questions I get from parents who are really worried about barking dogs interrupting the sleep of their kids, toddlers, and babies. We talk about how to help our children sleep better and sleep through the barking so that we can all feel better rested as a family. I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you, Michelle. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. So everybody, today is sort of the billion dollar episode because we're going to be addressing one of the topics that is gold for parents, which is sleep. So in addition to obviously the fact that we feel sleep deprived, I remember back when my kids were little and I was in a constant state of stress because I was worrying that naps would be cut short by any little thing like the dog barking. And so Bonnie and I are going to talk about how to help our kids sleep and nap better, kids of any age, not just babies, and also how to help them sleep through things like the sound of our dog barking or how to teach them to fall back asleep if they should be disturbed. So stick with us. This is going to be super valuable and help you sort of live a less stressed out life as far as I can tell. Um, So Bonnie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell people about you? Of course. So again, thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Uh, My name is Bonnie Dimmick. I am first and foremost a mom to two little girls, a three and a half year old and an 18 month old. Currently one pup. Um, We unfortunately lost our other puppy. Well, not puppy. He was my puppy. He was always my baby. We lost him last summer. He was my first baby. So that was... A bummer for sure, but that's hard. Um, so two little girls and what one dog for now, and then I am a certified pediatric sleep consultant, and I am the owner and founder of Sleep Love and Happiness Sleep Consulting. So I work with families to create sustainable, independent sleep habits for little ones from very little babies all the way up through elementary school age. To support the whole family sleeping well, because it's not just about the kids. Like Mm -hmm. you said, Michelle, it's about the whole family and stress levels around sleep. And so I focus on respectful parenting philosophies and strategies that really nurture connection to help your little ones learn to sleep independently and really learn to love sleep. Oh, my God. This is a dream come true. I wish I knew you when my kids were little because I really struggled. My daughter was a noisy sleeper and I couldn't sleep with her in the same room. I was a mess. And then I couldn't fall back to sleep because I kept looking at my watch thinking she's going to wake up soon. She's going to wake up soon. And so it made me afraid to fall asleep because I knew my sleep would be interrupted. And I was pretty much a hot mess. And then she was also a short napper. And so I felt so much pressure about squeezing things into 20 or 30 minute increments. 
And she wasn't really getting the rest she needed either. So it was a spiraling situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping you can talk a, a little bit about sleep habits in kids and how we can make them a little bit more resilient, especially if the dog is a dog and maybe has a little outburst. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have our listeners live in fear for the UPS driver dropping off a package because the dog may start barking and then every single nap goes out the window. So what kind of advice would you give people who are juggling, you know, a real dog? I mean, as you've heard on this podcast plenty of times, my dogs make noise. So Mm -hmm. what do we do? So there's a couple of things that you can do to really lessen the impact of when those barks happen. You know, first, white noise is your friend. It provides a consistent sleep environment, but it also masks external noise so that it's not as jarring when the dog barks or you drop something and it makes a big bang. Mm -hmm. And so you want to strategically place that white noise in your child's room. So if the dog is normally like right outside this wall, put the white noise on that wall. If they're normally right by somewhere near the door, put the white noise near the door so that it provides that kind of masking effect. Okay. Like a layer. Yeah. Like like a layer. So it's in between where the noise is happening and where your child is. Okay. And white noise is just really helpful for sleep in general um, because it provides a consistent sound environment to help your child focus on sleep. Okay. And then the other thing you want to do is you don't want to be too quiet while your kids are sleeping. From a young age, you don't want to be like tiptoeing around, making sure that there is no noise every single time your kid is sleeping because then those small noises will wake your baby up. So normal life then, it seems like. I I feel like some people tiptoe around things. Oh, I'm not going to vacuum. I'm not going to run the garbage disposal. I'm not going to do any of those things. So you're saying that we should just do what we normally do so that our kids get used to that? Yeah, you want them to get used to those little noises in the house that happen. Okay. And so, you know, something falls or you get ice out of the ice maker or you vacuum or you run the dish, the um, garbage disposal so that those are normal noises that are happening. Okay. And as your child gets used to these things happening while they're sleeping during the day, those noises aren't something that activates their brain to tell them it's time to wake up. Okay. So it's like if you live near a train station, you know, when you first live there, that train is going to wake you up every single time. But after a couple of weeks, it doesn't wake you up anymore because your brain knows it's not something you need to react to. Okay. That's really helpful. I think that's empowering that you don't have to walk on eggshells all the time. Yeah. Walking on eggshells, that tiptoeing around actually makes it harder for everybody because then that's what your child is used to and that's what you have to do. So the one tricky thing about dog barking is that it often comes out of nowhere. It Well, it appears to. It doesn't really, but it appears to. So it's not on a consistent basis where, you know, like the clock in the town square goes off predictably at certain times or the train maybe has a certain schedule. So mm-hmm. how would you encourage parents to help kids be resilient for um, sounds that come sort of spontaneously as opposed to predictably? So 
one thing I tell parents to do is not make a big deal about it when your dog barks during the day. If your dog barks and you're like, shh, be quiet, stop barking, then your child gets the message, I need to be like really activated by that noise. Ah. But if they just bark and you're like, that's normal dog behavior, and that comes sporadically, unpredictably during the day, mm-hmm. then when they're sleeping, their brain's going to be like, it's something that happens. Right. But one of the biggest things is helping your child be able to fall back asleep on their own if they do get woken up or they get partially woken up. Okay. And so that's what I do with families when I work with them one-on-one is help their children learn how to fall asleep on their own. So I like to think of falling asleep as a journey. You go from wide awake through deeper and deeper levels of drowsiness until you're all the way asleep. And if you, if your child needs help rocking, pacifier, back rubbing, you laying with them for part or all of that journey to sleep, if they wake up, they're not going to know how to get back to sleep again. So you have to help them learn how to do that entire journey. And there's lots of different ways to do that. Depending on your child's age, development, comfort level for your family. It all really depends on each family and what works for you, what you feel comfortable being consistent with. Right. Yeah. I know there's a lot of debate in this world of like, and and I see it in the dog world too, um, sort of the the cry it out concept and and um there's a lot of discussion about how crying it out can teach a dog or a child that you're not listening to how they feel and that the difference between wants and needs, and we have to be sure that we're actually meeting the needs of the creature. Um mm-hmm. I say creature because it's just <laughs> all encompassing. Yeah. Um, so it is really interesting, um, you know, and I'm not here to judge anybody for doing things how, however it is that they want to do it. It's just that there are different schools of thought. And I think that the strategies that you're teaching are empowering to the child or the baby, mm-hmm. um, just as the strategies that I try to use with dogs also empower them um, and help them feel seen when I know that they have needs that need being met. So obviously mm-hmm. I make sure that they're fed and watered and, you know, that they've pottied and all of those kinds of things. So I know that their biological needs have been met, but I also don't necessarily think that just letting them work it out on their own is the best solution. So um, can you just give us a couple of examples? So let's say you've got a toddler, okay? Okay. The toddler parent is the one who probably needs just a break, right? Oh, yes. You're maybe less like physically exhausted where, where you're not in pain from the lack of sleep anymore, but you may be feeling like you're going to lose your marbles if you don't get a break. And so these nap times are crucial for your own, for your sanity. So what are, maybe just walk us through some basic strategies of how you can help a toddler learn to rest better Mm -hmm. so that even if they're not necessarily sleeping, that maybe quiet time is is still good because you still get the break that you need to be the best parent that you can be. Absolutely. So yeah, like you said, there's a lot of um, controversy and different schools of thought on sleep and you can help your children sleep through you know, cry it out. I don't 
judge if parents do that. That's not something that I do in my practice. Mm -hmm. Um, But especially for toddlers, it's really helping them feel connected to you when they're separating for sleep or even just quiet time they're separating Mm -hmm. because our toddlers are practicing their independence all day long and Mm -hmm. sleep is a vulnerable process and so we want to help them feel connected um, emotionally taken care of in order to be able to rest and really get that good quality of sleep so i always recommend for families to have at least once a day, ideally before bedtime, because that's the um, time of the longest separation, is one-on-one dedicated playtime that your child directs, where you are fully 100% present. Leave your phone out of it, leave the to-do list in your head, stop thinking about the dishes, all of those things. Put the dog on the other side of a barrier so you can really focus on your child, right? Yes. So yeah. you're not trying to, you know, negotiate what's yeah. happening with the dog and exactly. your child wanting to pet the dog and the dog not being so sure about it. That's one that we've yeah. been dealing with at my house with my 18 month old. She yeah. loves to pet the dog and he only likes some of that. Yes. Um, but having that one on one time to really help your child feel connected to you. For things like nap time, especially with toddlers as they are starting to um, assert their independence, they will be more easily able to fight back against nap time. So you want to drop the pressure of sleep. Okay. You want to call it rest time. You know, just say you need to rest. You can hang out. You can provide like an extra stuffed animal or something in the bed because toddlers do need that sleep. Um, kids typically don't drop their naps until somewhere between ages three and five. Mm-hmm. And if we take that pressure off, so they're not fighting back to think mom wants me to sleep. So I want to do the exact opposite because I'm <laughs> testing my independence. They're going to be able to let their biological processes take over and that sleep pressure that builds up during the day to allow them to fall asleep. So really taking that pressure off of sleep, making it rest time, not stressing out about it because that stress, they sense it and then they're stressed and then it becomes this whole snowball effect of nobody's resting, nobody's happy and it's not a good situation. I really like that you brought up the fact that they're asserting their independence because I just have so many memories of my kids just like digging in their heels and like you know, no, 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 no. I, you can't make me. It has to be my choice. You know, I'm getting Mm -hmm. myself dressed. I'm buckling myself in the car seat. I'm making all the choices. I decide bath or shower. You know, it's, it's an interesting time when we have to empower them by giving them acceptable choices that they can then feel the power to choose between. (laughs) Do you want carrots or do you want peas, but you still have to pick one or the other, right? Right. Um, And things get even more challenging when there's a dog in the mix because the dog also has its own opinions and the dog may either really want to be near your toddler or may really want to be away from your toddler. Mm -hmm. And they may have contradictory feelings towards each other, right? Toddlers are often magnetized to the dog. Dogs, on the other hand, can be magnetized to the child, but often in 
the toddler years want to get the heck away because toddlers are so unpredictable that the dogs don't want to have anything to do with it. And so I can imagine they both can have FOMO though, like fear of missing out where, you know, if, if you are like I was where I wanted to have quality time with my dog, maybe while my toddlers or kids were napping or resting, then Mm -hmm. if I was making too much fun noise playing with my dog, then my kid wants to be a part of that. Like what's mom doing? That sounds really fun. Exactly. And on the other hand, in my special quiet playtime with my kids, sometimes the dogs then feel that same feeling of FOMO, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're whining at whatever kind of barrier you have. And Right. Exactly. You know, one thing that you can do is have that fun time with your dog after your kid goes to bed for the night. So ah. get those things that you need to get done during the day, get it done during nap time and have that fun time at the beginning of the night because kids get into a deep sleep very quickly at the start of the night. And it's a very deep sleep. Our kids are like, out for the count when they first go to bed. And so noises at that time are much less likely to wake them up just because Mm -hmm. of that state of sleep that they're in. Okay. That's really great. I would love to know, and obviously in the scope of a brief podcast episode, you may not be able to share this, but I would love to know if you can offer any strategies for helping the kids get back to sleep if they do wake up. So let's say the delivery driver does come, the dog loses its mind or who knows whatever else might happen. Maybe your dog is struggling with something. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Do we acknowledge when the kid wakes up? Do we pretend it didn't happen? What are, what are some strategies for helping to ensure that they are safe and taking care of their own needs while, while we try to do the same for ourselves? So definitely acknowledging it. If your child is awake, they're crying, they're calling out, they're alarmed by whatever noise just happened. Mm -hmm. Trying to go in quietly, calmly, keep it dark, you know, shut the door behind you, even if you're kind of, you know, trying to navigate getting over to them in the complete pitch black. You want to go in, acknowledge what happened, try to calm them down, you know, the dog was barking. It's okay. They got alarmed by a package being dropped off, but it's nothing you need to worry about. They're all better. Let's lay down, doing a little comforting, rub their back, sing whatever kind of lullaby or song you typically sing before sleep to try and get them to sleep or go back to sleep or at least go back to resting. Mm-hmm. Because once they've woken up from a nap, it's really hard to get back to sleep. When they fall asleep for their nap, their sleep pressure is really high. So their sleep pressure builds up from the time they wake up until the time they go to sleep, and then it starts decreasing. And once their sleep pressure has been decreasing, it can be really hard to get back to sleep at nap time because we don't have our circadian rhythm, that body clock, Uh, telling us it's sleep time. And so really trying to be quiet, calm, and even if they don't go back to sleep, really trying to enforce that rest period. Okay. And, you know, getting them calm and leaving them and say, it'll be time to get up soon. I'll be back to get you up, rest, hug your teddy bear. You can sing a song to your teddy bear, giving them specific things that they can do Mm -hmm. um, while they're resting can really help because it's not always 
reasonable to assume that they'll go back to sleep just because that might feel really hard in their bodies as their sleep pressure has gone down. Okay. So just because they have woken up doesn't mean that you need to assume that rest time is over, that they can call for you and have been aroused, but it doesn't mean, okay, we're done. I'm going to come and get you out of your room. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can still try to continue this pattern of behavior. And, and we do the same thing with dogs where um, dogs repeat what they practice. And so mm-hmm. the way that you probably saw, I don't know, I think you saw, but the people who are listening did not see that my husband came in, my puppy woke up from his nap to say hello to my husband. Then my husband went, got himself mm-hmm. a snack. Of course, I'm in the kitchen. So this is my own fault. I should probably be recording <laughs> my podcast in a quieter room. But Luckily and miraculously, my puppy did go back into his bed afterwards. I wasn't sure if that would happen. And I feel like with our kids, the same thing can be true that um, if we go in and soothe them and then encourage them to maintain rest time, as opposed to practicing this pattern of being startled awake means nap is over, right? Then they will continue to practice okay, this is the routine. Every time I wake up doesn't mean sleep time is over, over. It just means I was disrupted a little bit, but then I can go back. Does that make sense? Or can you see those yep. parallels there? Absolutely. Because, yeah, and especially it's really important going in calmly, you know, peacefully to really comfort them, remind them everything's okay. It's still rest time. Mm-hmm. And this is especially for toddlers. Because if you go in and you're stressed out, and you're <laughs> mad at the dog, they're going to be like, "Ooh, I'm awake now." Yeah, there's different they're energy. Going to play off of that, those emotions, right? And would you say I like that you mentioned the circadian rhythms that during the day it's not necessarily natural for the body to want to sleep because it's not dark, it's not nighttime. Mm-hmm. Which, and I mentioned, I you mentioned a darkened room. Is that something that's really helpful? to get the body to, um, to kind of go into that sleepy time? Yes. So having the room be as dark as possible at nighttime tells our bodies to release melatonin, which is the hormone that helps us fall asleep. That is cued by darkness. Uh-huh. During the day, we don't have that melatonin, but the darkness makes it environmentally the same as at night. But the biggest piece is that it reduces stimulation. Uh, so that they're not like, oh, there's a toy over there. Oh, this is <laughs> this is something I want to go play with. Ooh, yeah. what about that? Okay. Uh, so making it be really dark allows them to focus on sleep. And it's also that sleep cue. They sleep in the dark at night. They sleep in the dark during the day. Again, repeating what they practice. I love exactly. that. That is mm-hmm. that is really, really good. I think that's super helpful. Well, um, do you have any last minute? tips or tricks for families who've got kids and dogs and are feeling overwhelmed by lack of sleep or need advice on sleep? Well, I, like I said, I work with families to create independent sleep habits. And I find that that is one of the most things that makes kids very resilient to whatever noises that come up. When they do get woken up, they can go back to sleep and get the best quality of sleep. So working to establish those independent sleep habits. And like I said, there are a lot of different ways. When I work with families, we focus on emotional connection and making sure that kids feel confident, comfortable, and secure when they're going to sleep. 
as well as making sleep a very positive thing. I think that's something that all families can do regardless of their sleep situation. It can be hard as parents because you just want them to go to sleep and you're exhausted. But making, I use a what I call the 97-3 rule. 97% of how you talk about sleep should be positive mm. so that your kids start to associate sleep with a positive thing and internalize it as a act of self-love, something that makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. And that can really help encourage them and motivate them to want to sleep and be more resilient in their sleep. I love that you said that because in thinking about not necessarily how I talk to my kids, but maybe even so, but how I hear other people talk to kids, I almost feel as if sleep is seen as a punishment that, all right, bedtime, it's time for bed. Oh, you're being too wild. Let's get you to bed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I hadn't really thought about that before. And it's similar to how we deal with puppies or dogs who may be feeling overly rambunctious that sometimes we then say, you know, get in your crate. And, and I, I think the crates are overused. I think that, I think that people confine their dogs out of desperation. Um, but I do think management is crucial. And, mm -hmm. and anybody who knows me knows that I'm a queen of like pens and baby gates and things like that. So I, I don't think the dog needs to be confined to a small space in order to have fewer options. Kind of like what mm -hmm. you were saying that in a darker room, the baby or child has fewer distractions and they're more capable of focusing just on where their body is and, and what they need and just maybe telling themselves a little story instead of looking at all the things in their room that they wish they were playing with. Right. Exactly. And we do the same thing with our dogs where if you're behind a baby gate, there are fewer options of things that you can be doing wrong. So I'm setting you up for success for the, yes. for, for what I want you to be doing. And with dogs and with children, um, dogs often begin to misbehave because they're overtired. And so they start making bad choices. And I feel like some of this negative talk about sleep with children comes from the fact that we are feeling frustrated that they are acting tired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that the way they're acting tired is annoying and obnoxious and it's, and we're tired too. And so we play off of each other in this really negative way. Yes. So I like that you said that if we can make sleep be a good thing, because I have so many memories of listening to people say, all right, it's time for a nap. And then the kid just has a fit because they don't want to do it mm -hmm. because it's perceived as this negative thing. Right. It can be seen as kind of a punishment. Oh, you're not, you're acting tired. You are basically, they're feeling out of control. Like sleep helps with emotional regulation. So when they're tired, they don't have that. And oh, you're doing this. Now it's time to go to bed. It can feel like a punishment as opposed to, I can tell you're feeling, you're feeling sleepy and it's making you feel like you can't control what you're doing. Let's go to sleep. That's going to help you feel better mm -hmm. so that when you wake up, you're ready to play and we can have a fun time together. Mm. That's such a more positive, beautiful way of addressing it as opposed to the 
this is your consequence due to X, Y, and Z circumstances. I think that we all need to be better about that with both of our kids and our dogs, because, you know, out of frustration, it's like, I've got to put you somewhere as opposed Mm -hmm. to, I want to empower you to change how you're feeling. Exactly. That is exactly it. You want to especially with independent sleep, empower them to be able to be in charge of their sleep and know that their sleep helps them feel good and enjoy that feeling so that they want to go to sleep because they want to feel good. That's so good. That's a perfect place to end it. I feel like it is ending on a really uplifting, uh, an uplifting note. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you to learn more about how to do this? So you can find me on my website. My website is sleep, love, and happiness, all spelled out, .com. Or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at sleep, love, and happiness. Thank you so much. I'm going to include those in the show notes on the Pooch Parenting website. So if anybody would like to find Bonnie, um, you will get some links for doing that. Bonnie, thank you so much. I think this is so helpful. Parents are going to love this episode. Oh, well, I am so happy to have been here and been able to talk with you, Michelle, and share with parents. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Thank you. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.